Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. The UK government was the 10th most visited website in the UK in 2021, demonstrating the influence that government and public sector have in citizens' daily digital habits. There's no doubt that the pandemic parachuted government and public sector into the digital and social media limelight. But what can we learn from the UK government and what strategies should you be putting in place in 2022 to keep citizens engaged online? Well, in this episode, we're going to find out. We're also going to cover 10 social media practices for government in 2022. And I speak to Maria Walsh, who shares her approach to social media as a member of the European Parliament. What do you need to do in 2022 to keep citizens engaged online? And what can we learn from the UK government's experience? Well, let's have a look at the other main players in that study from Ipsos MRBI. So topping the most viewed websites in the UK in 2021 was Alphabet, of course, the company that owns Google. Secondly, we have Meta, the company that owns Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp and Oculus. Third, Amazon, followed by Microsoft, followed by Reach, followed by the BBC. And then at number seven comes the NHS and the UK government coming in at number 10. I also looked at the most viewed websites in the US in 2021 and coming in at number 37 was the national, was the Internal Revenue Service, IRS, and coming in at number 38 was the National Institute of Health, the US's medical research agency and part of the US Department of Health and human services. So you can see that government agencies are playing a huge role in the daily digital habits of our citizens. So you can compete with the big players of the tech companies, the social networks, and also mainstream media. But how do you do it? And how can you command that level of influence and attention? Well, guys, it comes down to your strategy. And the first thing that you need to do is have an intention. We want to be in the top 10 most viewed websites in our country in 2022. Website traffic and website engagement is hugely powerful. We've seen a number of websites in 2021 experiencing megalithic drops in traffic as the iOS 14 update and data protection and the cookie-less world all coming together and colliding to create chaos when it comes to web traffic. So online audiences are being dispersed right across the social web from search and social to blogs and forums. And so what you've got to do is you've got to really own your audience, just like the UK government did last year. They own their audience. They put their best digital foot forward and they use social media to drive traffic to their website. We know from Google that the optimum time of a micro moment where preferences are shaped and decisions are made is one minute and 16 seconds. So that is your benchmark for time spent on websites in 2022. 
it really is up to you to win the attention from the public. You might be getting backlinks from mainstream media. That also helps with your traffic and your discoverability on search engine results pages. But are you engaging in email marketing? Are you building up your own audience of citizens who want to hear from you, who are giving you their details with express permission in accordance with GDPR? Are you spending some money and re-diverting some of your marketing budget to PPC advertising, pay-per-click? When you are failing in organic social media, it's time to put your hand in your pocket and to invest some money in pay-per-click. So if you've got a really good campaign or a white paper or a new piece of legislation that you want to explain, new public health regulations, investing in advertising is a great strategy. But remember, the whole digital marketing mix of web marketing, social media marketing, content marketing, pay-per-click marketing and email marketing, they are the five pillars that you want to lean into. And hey, who knows in 2022, you could be like the UK government and placing in the top 10 websites viewed in your country. Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code SOCIALMEDIA20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. Do you want your government agency to excel online in 2022? Well, if you do, keep listening. Here are 10 social media best practices that will help you drive traffic to your website and command the attention of the public. So number one is the master plan. You cannot get results without a roadmap and a plan. So you really need to spend some time thinking about your digital marketing strategy and your social media marketing strategy, which will be part of it. Without a strategy, you are operating on hope and you probably heard me say it before, hope is not a strategy. Number two is the team. So who are the people that are going to execute your strategy and bring that content to life and engage the public and get all of those citizens over to your website. We know that in the realm of digital marketing, there are broad ranges of skill sets that not often not one person possesses. So for example, content creation, social media marketing, video production, video editing, data analytics, or even just copywriting, which is a core skill. So you might not have just one person on your team that can do all of that. How are you going to supplement your team or are you going to upskill them? Social is changing so fast that it's really, really important that you build in training to your annual plan to support your team. Number three is all about the content plan. You know I'm a huge fan of content marketing. It is my pillar strategy within my own business and I love teaching it and executing content plans for my clients and teaching my students. So scope out your content plan for 12 months in three parts. So firstly, evergreen content. Go ahead and look at your data insights and understand what is the most viewed content currently on your website or on social media. Turn this into evergreen content so it doesn't go out of date. This will give you real leverage when it comes to driving web traffic. Second type of content is what I called 
operational. So operationally on a day-to-day basis, projects, campaigns, what are the key pillars that are going to drive your plan for the next 12 months? That operational content will align with your corporate or your organizational or your comm strategy for the next year. And then thirdly, the third type of content plan that you need is a trending one. What are the public talking about? What are mainstream media and social media influencers talking about that is impacting your work, that is relevant to your deliverables as a public sector or a government agency? You need to have the agility to act in the now. But trust me, the evergreen content, the operational content will support you and it will build up about 70% of the content and then give you capacity bandwidth and the attention that you need to then have 30% of your time spent on trending content. Number four is a big one and I think this is one that organizations struggle with and that is the process. So you have your plan, you know what you want to achieve, you know the goals and the KPIs but the implementation is a bit of a stickler for you. We don't have a seamless process. So what I do in my own business and what I try and provide for my clients when I'm working with them directly is I write standard operating procedures. So Even this podcast has a set of steps in order for us to produce it consistently each and every week from writing it to recording it to editing it to publishing it and to promoting it and then looking at the insights. Every single step has a procedure that is agreed and everyone on the team knows what those steps are. And that just means that you can seamlessly and easily produce content on a regular basis. Number five uh, is your toolbox. So what tools do you need in order to produce great content, great social media and to implement your social media marketing plan. The tech will help you. Do not be afraid of the technology that exists right now. Trust me, software as a service, their business model is low cost, high volume and in order to succeed with that business model, they have to make the tech really easy to use. Number six is about creating that content. You have the content plan, but you need to set aside one day per month to create your long form content. Do it in one day and then repurpose that for social on a weekly basis. Number seven, engagement is key. Do not post and go on social. Those organizations that lean into the comments and the mentions and to the DMs and actually respond to the public and try and add value and provide great customer service are those that are most successful. 2022 might be the year that you start leaning in to your DMs. Number eight is measure and move. So what do I mean by that? Measure, look at the data and understanding the data and the insights will give you an opportunity to pivot and to improve your content or your social media marketing. Number nine is learn by doing. Everything that I teach is academic. Anything that I tell you here is academic until you put it into action. So you've got to learn by doing. Don't always consume content. At some stage, you're going to have to test and learn. And don't be afraid to fail. And actually, you won't fail because you'll fail if you don't take action. The only way to learn what is working with social media is to take action. 
And then 10, turn your success into case studies. Share them across your government agency. Empower and enthuse other people to embrace social media marketing and share those case studies with us here at the Public Sector Marketing Show. Tell us and we will tell everyone else. This is your final call for our social media bootcamp. Five consecutive weeks of live training, taking you behind the scenes of the tactics that are working right now on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. If you want to sign up for all five of the social media bootcamp workshops with me, then go ahead and go over to publicsectormarketingpros.com and you will find the link on our homepage. Level up your digital skills by taking our diploma in digital marketing plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code DIGITALMARKETING20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. In today's show, I'm joined by Maria Walsh, member of the European Parliament. Maria is a member of the Fine Gael Party and comes from County Mayo. She spends much of her time in Brussels and Strasbourg, the headquarters of the European Parliament. In her conversation, she discusses engaging citizens online and how she uses social media for political communications, citizen conversation and online campaigns. And I highly recommend that you follow Maria on Instagram at Maria Walsh EU. Maria, thank you so much for coming on the show. And it's great to have you coming the whole way from the European Parliament and for you to be back there in person. I am delighted uh, to speak to the guru of all gurus when it comes to social media. And I'm, uh, I think it's super cool that I'm reporting to you live uh, from uh, what we call the Mickey Mouse Cafe in the European Parliament in Brussels. Uh, it is here where... Uh, yeah, I guess this 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 colourful cafe got its name from uh, a former prime minister in the United Kingdom, um, and it's here where a lot of great work and, and negotiations happen. So delighted to continue on that tradition in this chat. Yeah, and indeed, I've been in the Mickey Mouse bar a few times having meetings with with MEPs. But listen, we're here to talk about social media yes. and how you can engage with citizens online. And you listen, you're one of the the youngest members. Uh, of the European Parliament, the youngest MEP in Ireland. And even if I bring myself back to your election campaign in 2019, as I was preparing for this interview, I just couldn't get that viral video out of my head where you said, you know, if you if you remember Tamagotchis in the Polly Pockets, then, you know, perhaps vote for Maria Walsh. It got so much mainstream coverage, but social was a big part of your campaign, right? It did. And then, and then that particular 90s kid video got me more uh, social media abuse uh, than I think any of my content. But it was funny. I remember it went, it went viral as of such. And then um, our internal team was like, hang on, did we just break your camp? Like, did we just break the campaign? Like, is this the video that's going to send you over? But what people don't realize is it was culturally appropriate at the time because the Spice Girls were about to kick off their retour. I think Boyzone were flirting around with some stuff. So it, there was an air of 90s and uh, Tamagotchis um, in, in the air. But I mean, to your point and to your question, um, you know, as 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 a person who didn't grow up in party politics, as someone who grew up in the community, as someone who had been away for a couple of years and then came back and was known in some rooms and in some communities as the Rose of Tralee in 2014. Um, but fast forward a few years, the impact social media has 
the waves of change social media have, ha have had on our lives uh, since uh, I'm an Obama baby. Really, when you think of, uh, I, I, for me, he's the first person I've seen politically use digital media in connecting to that voter. Um, but for me personally, I realized I didn't have the political acumen as my other colleagues had uh, because I was new to it. Um, I didn't have the political landscape as in I was covering certain areas of the 13 counties, predominantly uh, the West and Northwest. But how do I connect beyond that? And ultimately, how do I connect with people to say, hey, I'm here and, and I want you to vote for me? Um, and then to show that personality of why we need youth and enthusiasm, why we need different touch points. And for me, then that had to be the big bearer of that was was social media uh, and and the and the energy that it brought me. I, I mean, I would have I, I would have not won a seat if it wasn't for the impact of social media. And you talk about your lack of political connectedness and not coming from the traditional political stalwart arenas where many MEPs kind of came through the ranks in, in Irish politics. But I also want to kind of let my listeners and viewers know that in 2019, there was a bit of a shakeup in the European Parliament. The average age of an MEP is now 50, which I think is younger. And also 40% of all MEPs are women. And the majority of new MEPs, 435 out of just over 700, were actually new. And you were one of those new MEPs. So I think that we're getting a freshness into politics. And, you know, when you talk about culturally appropriate and talking about the 90s and that viral video and people might diss it, it's actually very important because the world has changed and the world is being disrupted by social. So how have you fitted in over the past couple of years, <laughs> bearing in mind that you I, I think predominantly removed from the institutions because of the pandemic? Yeah, well, like a lot of us, I think we, I think when you when you look back on the last two years, and I know at home right now, you know things have shifted and changed, um, uh, in terms of announcements. But to be honest with you, we we still have to mourn the loss of of what could have been and should have been, and 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 then that's the case for politicians too, you know, uh, particularly young ones like myself who had so many aspirations. I mean, I think Joanne, you and I met. Uh, week three, perhaps of 2019, and it was like laid out on how we would begin to build. And and uh, and I was picking, like I said, you know, for all your listeners, she is the guru of social media and digital connectivity. Um, so I was wanting to pick your brain about how to continue on that path. And um, you know, and and to your also to your point, you know, I, I think it's about 60 percent of newness has taken over the parliament. Um, because of the pandemic, then those 60% like myself didn't get on the ground or didn't get uh, the build up or perhaps the the creativity to really showcase what the European Parliament can do. Because for a lot of our young uh, and your young listeners and our young voters, you know, you look at the European Parliament as one of Erasmus Plus for some, not all. Um, and Erasmus needs to get broken down because I think a lot would think of it as like a high a highbrow. You need to come from a decent family background in order to participate in it. But 
really, if you talk to any young politician right across the political house, you know, that's our one of our avenues of like connectivity through what the European Parliament can do and online in terms of here's so close, here's the connections you make, here's the alumni you have, and here's as young politicians what we want to do to it in terms of making sure it's more uh, more focused on all, not just some. It, there's better access to those with disabilities. If you've had a mental health pressure or issue or a concern that you have support when you go and also when you return, that you have financial supports to do that. Because ultimately, if we don't have that youthful passion be it online or an offline, then our European pro project uh, that was developed is going is going to fall short. Like a bad like a bad post that's timed wrong. You know, you, you need to find you need to find some good hooks. Um, um, but there there's so much to do. We have two more, two and a half more years to to continue to connect. But ultimately, now a lot of us and and again, I sit on a young members network with the EPP. Which again, young under 40s. The age keeps changing, which I'm delighted because now I'm 34. So I'm like, no, no can't be 35 I've a few more years and then we talk about COVID years and I'm like let's remove that but um yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of messages to get out um and while other countries are figuring out how to move on and 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 regrow from uh from this blaming pandemic uh the digital communication is the tool for for us to continue to regrowth um to continue to highlight new businesses the entrepreneurs the remote working and all uh, and all the good st stuff that goes on uh, plus it's the fact that it's the eu year of youth this year we're about 25 days in um but ultimately if you were to ask any of your listeners do you know what that is more than likely they're going to say, no, we don't, which is a fault on mine because I'm not communicating enough. And it's also a, a, a good avenue for me and other MEPs to put pressure on the likes of the Commission, the Council and ourselves in the Parliament to get more connectivity online uh, because that's where our, our our voters are. And I also want to say, as I'm going off on my tangent, sorry, Joanne, um, you know, I think one of the things I've learned in the two and a half years in working online um, is the fact that we are as politicians it's it's not it's not what it used to be even 10 years ago or maybe even five years ago uh, in terms of your guaranteed uh, there's political houses or those young people involved in politics I actually think now because of social media in all its pro, uh, pros and, and a few cons you know we are competing um, that active citizenship, um, involved in politics is competing with the likes of sport, uh, music, hobbies, influencers, other cultural phenomenons. And, and that's not a problem. It's just more we have to be real about how we then communicate and then cut down the BS and jargon that comes from institutions historically and really actually just have conversations with our voter. And, you know, like I follow you on Instagram and on other channels, but primarily where I will you know be able to see where you are what you're doing what you're talking about who you're interviewing is on Instagram and when I'm there <laughs> I have like a lifestyle app and it kind of fits into you know issues that I care about and you sit on some very important committees in the European Parliament and within those committees that is where you are influencing European policy that actually affects our lives and that's where the connectivity comes so Tell us a little bit about the big issues that you've been uh, touching on. 
Well, you're very fortunate, to, and I'm, I'm I'm grateful for for you asking that because one uh, something that actually you um, you connected uh, for me was the European Direct Library uh, in Donegal and to talk about the conference on the future of Europe, which is the big beast right now, i.e. we need to hear from citizens. We need to hear from businesses. We need to hear from third levels. We need to hear about the array of topics that you want us as policymakers right across institutions. So the parliament, the commission, the council um, to, to focus on. Otherwise, we're going to end up with status quo and nobody's happy with status quo. Uh, so we need to change that. So the Conference on the Future of Europe is that avenue to have that conversation. And we had that in, in the European Direct Libraries, which are dotted around the country. There's 13 across Midlands Northwest, one in Donegal, uh, one in Galway, and I could go on and on. But um, one thing that, um, you know, I'm currently working on is the Pay Transparency Directive. And for anybody watching here, particularly the women of the world and, and the many men we have as allies. So right now, there's about a 14% gender pay divide in some sectors, in a majority of sectors. Um, now, what does that mean in, in the hard brass tacks of that? That's about a 50 additional work days that women do over men uh, in, in various sectors. Now, one of my concerns is that, but the other concern is the fact that as women go through their work life cycles, that gender pay gap becomes bigger. So now we're at a 29.5% pension pay gap. So I, the many mums I speak to, um, young and a, a little bit more senior in age, uh, young women that are coming out of uh, a third level or, or, or entering into their first career, you know, are, are serious businesswomen uh, and, and they want the equality and they, and they deserve and they demand the equality. But when you think about, well, hang on, even in my own career, it's like, well, the pay is not great, but in the next career, it will help. Or in the next stage, it will help. But that gets bigger. And then when you think, well, when I retire, I'll have uh, X amount of cash flow to do whatever it is I, I have been putting off, but be it rearing families, working also, working in home, being the care. This pandemic has certainly um, disproportionately affected our, our, our females. Um, be it at home or in the workplace or on our front line. Um, and that that's not good enough anymore because it, the numbers are not adding up when and if, when and if we do retire. Um, and we need to start now in terms of reducing that gender pay gap and uh, dare I say, depleting it. Um, so that's one file I'm working on. And bear in mind, as we celebrate our 50th year of getting into this big, uh, brilliant European Union. Uh, we did so, uh, one of the terms and conditions are the, the the dismantling of the marriage bar. So for anybody listening who doesn't know what that is, it's 50 years ago, women who got married uh, had to leave their jobs, um, regardless of what scale they were at, because their role was in the home. And 50 years ago is not that long ago. And when you think financially, sure, in 50 years we would have grown. We actually haven't to the extent that women are at the core of everything they do. That's one big thing I'm working on, along with a lot of mental health, creating that year of good mental health uh, by the time this mandate finishes, because that to me is our next pandemic, um, the mental health of all, and that ties into gender-based violence, that ties into equality, it ties into fundamental human rights. The list is endless when we talk about the fundamental bedrock of a, of a citizen is their mental health and wellness. So um, they're too, I, I could go on and on, but, and I hope people are feeling the energy and the excitement that I have. And again, I cannot stress, 
we need to hear from citizens um, to, to figure out that we're not picking and choosing here as policymakers what's important to, to them. There has to be a two-way conversation, be it online or in person, um, but there has to be a conversation. A status quo is not serving anybody anymore. Importantly, they're not serving women, and we need to amend that. Yeah, and I do feel that when, when you're talking, I hear that passion. And even when, you know, we, we met initially in, in 2019, you were on a mission. You know, you didn't come through the political ranks. You went to Europe with a mission to make a difference. And and I see that. And, you know, the communication through social and that engagement with, with citizens who might not be, you know, politically minded and might not follow the news and all of that, that's where you're... The, the important touch points are because mothers speak to daughters and daughters speak to their friends, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. But what about the, the abuse part of social media for all the good that social media does in connecting us and sharing and educating us? There's a, there's a really nasty part to it too. I mean, as a public representative, do you feel the, the rough edge of social from trolls and abusers? Absolutely. And actually something where I was squirming in my chair because we've talked about it before. You know, you always find me on uh, on the gram, but uh, my 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 love of, of, of Twitter and and Facebook and and while I'm a researcher uh, and an active participant, i.e. viewer on TikTok, I understand in order to to evolve and, and continue on that voice, I need to also be across other platforms. Um, uh, so when you said that, I was like, oh, don't look at me, Joanne, don't look at me. Um, but to that point and, and to your question around, unfortunately, the rise of disinformation, hate speech, online abuse is... I remember as being the first LGBTQI rose uh, of Truly, and you'd imagine... At the time, the, co the country was evolving and changing in terms of prepping for the marriage equality and, again, the, the repeal of the eighth uh, referendums. But the amount of abuse that you would assume I would have gotten at that point was rampant and not to the extent of entering into political life. And then you turn around and, you, and I stand in front of young women, uh, be it at secondary or, or third level, and say, which one of you are going to run, if not all of you in our political landscape? Um, uh, and, and hands are not going up as fast because they also live online uh, and they see the the negative impact uh, women have on, in the political world or in public life or women in general. Um, for, for me, you know, there's a fake website out there dedicated to me brainwashing uh, some young people, unfortunately, about my sexuality, which is... When I think of it, it's 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 astonishing and it's really sad. And then how the impact of Google ads and the and how it bumps up the SEO of of certain websites. Um, Facebook, unfortunately, is is not pulling info and content that that is uh, that is incorrect or harming as down as quickly as I I would like. Um, and Twitter. You know, I post to Twitter, but sometimes I have to be really, really mindful of how Twitter impacts me uh, mentally and, and, and also my team. But within all of that, what are we doing about it here in the European Parliament? Uh, just last week, we worked on the Digital Services Act, predominantly more so for businesses. But uh, one of the key amendments that I, I, I know all Finogale MEPs and I'm assuming all Irish MEPs had backed was the removal of any sort of targeted ads towards minors because the, 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 and if you don't mind me talking about it, like the rise of pornography, um, gambling, alcoholism, other mental health pressures and stresses is just escalating 
many ways because of these targeted ads and the negativity that that online brings. Um, so for all its goodness and gorgeousness and brilliance in communicating, there's also another world uh, that is not. And, and it's not just about big tech playing their part as consumers of online. We also have to play our part. So that's age appropriate online education. That's um, ripples into then, you know, sex ed, consent, uh, gender-based violence as a whole, how we use um, and how we are evolving as consumers and what we're willing to stand for and what we're not. And it's, you can't blame big tech or you can't blame your secondary school teachers for not teaching you. Um, they're a part of the solution, but they're not the, the only victims of the problem. Uh, it's a society question as a whole, and that begins with our policymakers as well as parents and those like you online who, who, who know the lay of the land. Uh, and we need to tap into your expertise in order to better protect those that, um, you know, two or three year olds who are grabbing an iPad or an iPhone hidden in the code because their fingers have muscle memory at, at, by now and they find themselves on, on something that's only going to cause trauma. So we, we, we need to find a balance. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We all have a responsibility. It's called digital citizenship, the safe, savvy and ethical use of the internet. And you can't pass the blame or the responsibility to a politician or to a teacher or to a government. Listen, I know you have to run to your next meeting, but last question. Absolutely. Will Mayo win the All-Ireland? Of course, Joanne. I'm so glad you asked that question. <laughs> you won the Europe or you won the, the, the big lottery. So, yeah, so maybe this is your year. But what, what have you got in store for social media this year? What are you planning? Well, uh, now that the world of, of hopefully the pandemic world is so uh, is quick is quickly rising um, and, and and leaving us, um, you'll see me out and about in the constituency. You'll see a lot of behind the scenes. Um, I'm I'm hoping to really evaluate and kick off again the reintroducing the art of conversation on Instagram Live, simply because I mean over the over the pandemic I, I really missed having conversations with people, and sometimes it's not about an argument or a debate. It's actually about two people having this conversation and sharing information and knowledge ultimately we're all lifelong learners uh, and we need to remove the idea that once you finish secondary or third level uh, that that's you and the academics book done not at all we're constantly evolving uh, as citizens and and that to me is that lifelong learning piece which is what reintroducing gifted me and, and hopefully many who tuned in um, you'll see a lot more videos because I think that's where a lot of the uh, the, the viewers you're going um, and hopefully some some good takeovers of active activists or those that are working in uh, the front lines or or you know, entrepreneurs who are thinking about starting new businesses and are just having that conversation. Um, uh, really, I want it to be as energetic um, and and as positive as I try to make it in in the 2019 campaign and prep of 2024. But long after, I think for me, the legacy piece is that conversation um, and opportunity and and making the west of Ireland, uh, the most west periphery of our European Union, feel a little bit closer uh, to to what happens here in in, in the big house of the European parliament well an absolute pleasure is always to have a conversation with you and i just want to say thank you because it's so true if you can't see it you can't be it and you you are it and you be it for us and um and just as a fellow female champion um i love seeing people break the mold in any aspect of society so so continued success and i'll see you on the ground at some stage <laughs> thanks love thanks for having me i appreciate it. and thanks for always educating me i get more from your newsletters um, and your online posts and your shows than any sort of 
uh, content that's out there. And I'm not saying that because I, I'm, I'm speaking to you and I can see you virtually. It is the nuggets you leave, the seeds you plant are invaluable. And ultimately, that's how we connect the disconnected in any sector, not just in politics. Okay, Maria Walsh, MEP, thank you so much. Bye-bye. A one-stop shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our membership academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. Before I wrap up episode 46, I want to share with you the free resource for this week. Why not come along to my next free webinar, a digital PR strategy for public sector. The game is always changing when it comes to digital comms. So in this webinar, I will set out how you can engage traditional media, but also how you can broaden your reach online. If you can't make it live, still sign up because I'll send you the replay. As always, thank you so much for your feedback on the show. I really appreciate it. And if you haven't already, do share the Public Sector Marketing Show with a pro that you know. And I'll see you on episode 47. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform.